Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome. And uh, welcome to this new series, The Spirit of Christmas. And if you're in our Peterborough Centre, it snowed this morning, didn't it? Are you excited about that? I mean, what else could get you in the spirit of Christmas more than a bit of that white stuff? I must admit, I love snow. Uh, but well done for making it here. I did get a message from a so-called friend uh, on the way here, which I thought I'd read to you. He said that it's pretty poor weather conditions for driving this morning. Can you please make sure that your sermon is worth it? <laughs> now, I say a so-called, an ex-friend, really, I would call that uh, person. I'm not going to tell you who that was from, but what I will say is, next Sunday, when Tom Webster gets up to speak, <laughs> and you know they say, can you give him a big welcome? Could you instead throw things at him and boo? Would that be all right? <laughs> not that ne necessarily that was from Tom, but... Um, just save that uh, un unfriendly welcome for next week for Tom. But anyway, glad you made it. Glad you're with, with us online. And we're looking at this spirit. I wonder what gets you in the spirit of Christmas. And I don't want to presume it's the same thing for you as it is for me, because we have our traditions, don't we? And some of these are very family-oriented, personal. Some of them are very cultural. And I realize we're from different parts of the world gathering together this morning. So I wondered what traditions. Um, and I actually, I actually looked up online. I wonder what other cultures do to get in the spirit of Christmas? And I thought I'd give you a little quiz. Are you up for a little quiz this morning? All right. And you are allowed to shout out. It's not a rhetorical thing. But I'm gonna, there's going to be a whole load of flags on the, on the, on the screen. And one of these, uh, these traditions I read out are from one of these countries. Can you guess which one? Are you ready? Kentucky Fried Chicken for Christmas dinner. Which Japan is the right answer. I don't know where you got that from. I don't know where they got that from. But apparently there was a very successful advertising campaign in 1970s in Japan Kentucky for Christmas, and it's stuck, so there you go. All right, hiding a pickle uh, somewhere as a decoration on the Christmas tree. Germany. Germany is the right answer, yeah, and if you find the pickle, you get a present, sauerkraut. Anyway, uh, what else do we have now? Uh, Santa Claus uh, puts either sweet candy or rotten potatoes in kids' boots. Mmm, Iceland is the right answer to that. All right. Crowds of people, here's one, here's one you could try. Crowds of people attend Christmas services on roller skates. Where do you think they would do that? <laughs> Venezuela. No, I don't hear anyone shouting that out. Venezuela, apparently. All right, here's something else you could try. A naked family Christmas sauna. There's only one country that's doing that, isn't there? Honestly, you finished. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Finland. <laughs> Deep-fried caterpillars as a Christmas delicacy. South Africa, yeah, is the right, I, I was surprised by that, I honestly, yeah. Throwing a spoonful of Christmas pudding on the ceiling to see if it sticks. If it sticks, apparently it's going to be a good harvest in the coming year. Ukraine, apparently. And finally, which is slightly narrowed down now, early December, the whole town goes on a march to show the story of Joseph and Mary going on a big march themselves. Uh, which apparently they do in Mexico. So there you go, all sorts of things uh, get us into the spirit of Christmas, depending where you're from. Uh, but, <laughs> but this morning I want to revisit some of those earliest Christmas stories in the Bible to remind us that the earliest tradition, I think the greatest tradition of all, is this. The tradition of Christmas that we see in the Gospels is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes upon people to empower them with joy and with confidence to share the good news of Jesus. That tradition goes all the way back. What you're going to find as we look at these early stories of the early Christmas is the Holy Spirit coming upon people. Sometimes, as we'll see today, that's even a boy that's not yet been born is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then also his father, who's way, way, way too old to have children, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's an extraordinary range of people that find the earliest Christmas tradition is the Holy Spirit comes on us to empower us with a confidence to share the good news of Jesus. I don't know about you, I could do with more of that myself. I read this quote as I was looking at Luke's gospel from someone commentating on the gospel. And he said this, in Luke's gospel, before anyone opens their mouth to praise the Lord or share the gospel, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. What a great tradition, don't you think? Wouldn't you love this season to have the more boldness to praise the Lord and to share the good news? Well, you need to rediscover the tradition of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It goes all the way back to that first Christmas. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage where, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's about John the Baptist. It's about the fact that his parents couldn't have children. They were in a really painful moment in their late on in life, resigned to the fact that it would never be the case for them that they could have kids. And then all of a sudden, miracles start happening, angels start appearing. We're going to read, if you want to follow, in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, this extraordinary story. And I want you to listen for the activity of the Holy Spirit as I read these verses. They're on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can this be? How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and will not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. This is one of the earliest accounts of the Christmas story, and did you notice the flurry of activity of the Spirit of Christmas? Now I want to unpack three things based on three characters. The first is, when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus this Christmas, Zechariah shows us that it begins with prayer. Did you notice in verse 13, the angel says to him, your prayer has been heard. Do you hear that this morning? Your prayer has been heard. Now it's interesting that, because Zechariah was a priest, as we've seen. He lived just outside Jerusalem in a, in a town called Ein Karem. 
but he was on shift work, really. Some of us will be familiar with shift work. It was his shift to go to the temple as a priest. They worked on rotation basis uh, and to offer up incense, which happened morning and in the late afternoon, in the evening. So twice a day, incense was burned on the altar before the Lord. And it was his, they drew lots, and it was his turn to go into the holy place and there to burn incense. And they had a custom that when the holy smoke was seen and the fragrant offering was felt, the people would bow down in worship and in prayer. Now all of this Zechariah does, but what he doesn't anticipate is that God's going to do something in response to what he's done. And there's almost this slightly comical moment, isn't there? When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled. You, know, you see this in verse 12. He was startled and gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Can you see there that Zechariah was shocked by his own prayer being answered? Have you ever had this experience? We know how to do the tradition, but we didn't expect the supernatural to come off the back of the tradition. We know how to close our eyes in prayer, but do we really believe that God is hearing our prayers? But the angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. <laughs> do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. Now, in the scriptures, as we move forward into the book of Revelation especially, this idea of offering incense to the Lord, a priest offering them their incense, this fragrant offering arising to the throne of God, it becomes a picture, a metaphor for Christian prayer. In Revelation 5, we see an angel holding a golden bowl that is filled with the incense, the fragrant offering, and it's brought before the throne of God, and then we're told, and that incense is the prayers of God's people. What a holy, sacred thing we do when we pray. We're like a priest coming before the throne of God and burning a fragrant incense offering to the Lord. And yet we think we're just going through the motion so often. <laughs> and it takes an angel to come to Zechariah and basically to say to him, you have no idea how powerful you are. I love the contrast. Did you see it there? Zechariah says, how can this be? For I am old. And my wife is, and he puts it very delicately, doesn't he? Did you hear that? My wife is well on in years. <laughs> There's someone who knows he could be in trouble if he doesn't say this right, yeah? Not going to give you her age, Angel Gabriel, but she's well on in years, right? He puts it very delicately, but effectively what he's saying is, how could anything significant happen because we are weak people? And more particularly, we're weak people who've grown used to the idea that for some reason it's failed for us. You know, having children in that ancient world even today, it's such an incredibly tough thing to not be able to have children for those who want to. But in the ancient world, it was a matter of shame. And, and they'd grown old, feeling ashamed of the fact that they hadn't had a son. And suddenly, you know, the angel is coming to them and saying, the answers of prayer do not depend on your strength or status. I love the contrast. Zechariah says, I am old. And the angel says, and I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I love it, don't you? I'm, I'm old, I can hardly stand. I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. And your prayers have been heard by God and he sent me to tell you it's gonna happen. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's the shock of our own prayers being answered. Have you ever had this experience? We so often think that we can't almost get out of the mindset that the world operates in, which is to some degree your success is a result of your strength and your status. But it just doesn't work like that in prayer. <laughs> I'm old, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of Almighty God. I've seen that every time he speaks, it happens. And he has spoken in response to your prayer, you will have a son. Extraordinary. 
But we still have to recover. I, I, just, I suppose my, my point here, the, the, just the overarching point for this first uh, note on Zechariah is just this. If we could just understand what happens when we pray, we would never stop praying. <laughs> if we could just reimagine what's happening when we pray as we are priests coming with the holy incense before the throne of God, and angels are moved into motion by the, by the sheer force of our prayers. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And we need to recover that sense of a confidence in prayer. And I'm preaching to myself here. I know, what that, I know what it's like to feel like you do everything else to try and solve the problems that you have, and then you remember to pray. Anyone else? I, I sometimes, as this morning, wear contact lenses. And I was recently uh, filming in the, in, the, in the French Alps, and I got a contact lens stuck in my eye. I, I tried to take it out, and I managed to lose it and pushed it back in, which is not a good situation. And my eye went very, very red, and the next morning, I still couldn't get the contact lens out. And so we had to abandon the filming project, and we were on our way to hospital. And the only other person who was with me on this little expedition, was a, who was a Christian, was the cameraman, who was a very, he's a very sort of monotone, understated camera. They're all a bit like that. Um, anyway, uh, and he was, uh, he's, he's a really good friend, Andy, and, he, and, and eventually, as we, only as we were walking down the mountain to go to hospital, I eventually thought, of, well, maybe we could pray about this. And I said to Andy, you, could you just pray? And he just put his hand on my shoulder, and he prayed the most basic prayer. Honestly, there was nothing fancy. I opened my eye, and it was right. And I, and I looked at him, and I said, is my eye still red? Yeah. I said, is my eye already? He says, it's not red anymore. Within five minutes, I had a new contact lens in, and we turned around and went and finished the filming project. But it was a reminder, yeah, it was a reminder to me, I'm preaching to myself. Don't you have these experiences? I'm preaching to myself. Prayer actually is powerful. And it doesn't require fancy prayers. A very simple prayer by simple people. I'm old, well, I'm Gabriel. It doesn't matter how old you are, how powerful you are, you're speaking to Almighty God. So let's recover that sense of confidence and let's pray into this season of Christmas. Praying for our friends to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Praying for our VIP list. Who knows, as we as priests offer that incense to God, who knows what could happen? It begins with prayer. Now the second thing, focusing now on John the Baptist. If that's Zechariah, his father, focusing on John as it continues in power. Did you notice verse 17 says, he, speaking of John, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Incredible, isn't it? Before he's born, and this young man will grow up, John the Baptist, to become the great herald of Jesus the Messiah. He will be at the threshold of the ages. He will be closing the door on the old covenant and opening the door to a new covenant Messiah, Jesus Christ. His whole life will be given to making Jesus Christ famous. And the spirit of Christmas comes upon John, even in the womb, to anoint him and empower him for that task. And I just felt this season, you know, for many of us, I, I think it's already with us, this spirit, the Holy Spirit, who makes us feel, do you know what? I don't really care what I get for Christmas. I don't care how pretty the decorations look. I don't care how amazing the Christmas dinner is. All those things should be good. And let's give all our attention to the detail. But we want to see Jesus Christ famous this Christmas. That's, that's what matters, amen? John, what does John says? He says, behold the Lamb of God. He says, I must decrease that he might increase. And I, I feel that spirit is the spirit of Christmas. He comes upon us to put all of the traditions in their rightful place. They're all secondary. 
Don't, let's not take our eye off the ball. They're all secondary compared to the primary thing, which is that we are called to be heralds of good news, proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, this must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that phrase that goes uh, on in verse 15 and verse 17. He is never to take wine, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Verse 17, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. I just felt a little nudge, by the way, to say for some of us, it might be a wise thing this Christmas not to take wine not to rely on alcohol as the, as the hope that we have, the dependency relationship that we've got into with drink or with eating or with overspending. Look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying ourselves, but here's the thing that's happening with John. He's being told from birth he will not be dependent on anything but God. He will enjoy other things, but he won't need those things because he will have the Holy Spirit. And some of us need to break the power of these other things by refusing them dependency relationship in Christmas, our dependency will be on the Lord. We will enjoy the Holy Spirit this Christmas, not alcoholic spirits. Now, listen, I'm not against alcohol. I'm just making the point. Where's your dependency? It's in the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what will make it a fantastic Christmas of joy, of peace, of freedom in Jesus' name. And this power that comes upon John is what enables him to see extraordinary things happen. And in the Christmas stories, I felt as I reread them for preparing this message, it struck me that we have tidied up this narrative into a sort of polite season of cute little Christian traditions. And actually, when you go back to it, it's a pretty messy time of powerful acts of God. There are angels appearing. And do you know what the most common thing an angel has to say to a human? Do not be afraid. Why? Because they're all terrified at the power of God that is breaking into the world at the arrival of Jesus. There are miracles, there are angels, there are dreams, there are healings, there is new life, there is something supernatural about Christmas. I urge us not to settle for just a traditional, polite, cute little Christian Christmas. No, 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 it's about seeing God's power at work. I urge us to raise our expectations from just, this will be an exhausting season that I'll try and get through as best I can, to we're going to see God's power at work this season. We're going to expect miracles, not just carols, but miracles, amen? (laughs) Christmas services, Christmas witness is not just about a mince pie and a carol and don't you think Christians are actually a bit nicer than you thought? Now that's all great, but no, no, it's about seeing God at work. It's about seeing angels appearing. It's about dreams and visions. Let's pray for these things and let's expect them because the same spirit who empowered John is the same spirit that empowers us to bear witness to Jesus Christ. My uh, my own family have been teaching me a lesson on this recently, actually. Our our two boys went to a a Christian youth event and they really, obviously, this is a youth event that really pushes them out into mission and Evangelism, And I was taking my son climbing and, and I was in the car driving and he was telling me and he said something. He said, oh yeah, did, did Toby tell you about that word of knowledge that he had? And I said, no, what word of knowledge? And he told me about it. And, and then I, I must have sounded too surprised. You know, note to self, don't sound too surprised. And my son looked across at me and he said, you have no idea how powerful it is, do you? <laughs> I thought, all right, maybe I don't. No, he was like, you have no... And then he told me that Toby had prayed for someone and his ankle had been healed immediately. 
And he'd had, a, he'd had a word of knowledge for some, a guy called Jason wearing a red jumper. And then he met Jason wearing a red jumper and shared the gospel with him. And I was like, yeah, maybe <laughs> when your own son is saying to you, you don't have any idea, do you? <laughs> and then my wife, Charlotte, she's been witnessing to a work colleague whose husband, uh, his eye condition has been really severe and deteriorating. He's go- he was going blind. And Charlotte um, prayed for this work colleague, and then the work colleague sent her this message, and I just love this. This is from a non-Christian work colleague who'd just gone to hospital with her husband for the eye, and and the the non-Christian work colleague says this, are you aware of how powerful you are? (laughs) We're still in hospital for the checkup. Everything looks perfectly healthy. The lenses have come back to their normal positions. The angles now are absolutely perfect and wide open. It is a great mystery. The doctors have no clue what happened. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but I, I particularly love that line, are you aware of how powerful you are? I think that's what the angel was saying to Zechariah, wasn't it? Do you have any idea how much authority you have when you pray? We operate in prayer and we continue in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's not just have a nice traditional Christmas. We've had enough of those. Let's have a messy, powerful, uh, don't be afraid kind of Christmas where the, the good news of Jesus Christ comes with power through the Holy Spirit. Let's expect some miracles. Let's expect some healings in Jesus' name. Amen? And then finally, and I'll be brief on this, it begins in prayer, continues in power. And then with the angel Gabriel, the third character, we've seen Zechariah and John, the angel Gabriel looked to proclaim the message. Verse 19, we simply have this from the angel Gabriel. I have been sent to tell you this good news. Notice there is a message of good news, but the angel Gabriel has to come from heaven because heaven knows this message of good news. They know what God is doing in sending Jesus, but earth doesn't. So the messenger has to come from heaven to earth to tell them because how else will they know what's happening unless someone comes and tells them and this dynamic Luke sets up with an angel but the rest of the gospel this dynamic is continued with people it is now people angels are sent from heaven to earth and then on earth humans are sent from one person to another to tell people the good news that they otherwise could not know there is something that needs to be announced Christianity is not just a sort of higher moral standard that any roughly decent person should be able to work out for themselves. No, no, no. Christianity is an announcement that God has sent Jesus Christ into the world to defeat the power of death and evil and has raised him from dead to give a victory and hope to all humanity. You're not going to work that out on your own. Someone will have to tell you. And in the same way as the angel had to come and tell Zechariah, I have been sent to tell you the good news, So in the rest of Luke's gospel, we are being sent. God's Jesus' followers are being sent to proclaim this good news. And therefore this Christmas, I urge us, begin in prayer, continue in the power of the Holy Spirit and look to proclaim the good news. Look for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's not be shy about it. We actually have a message of good news. And we can share this in several ways. I I would encourage us to share hospitality. That's one way. We can have people around for mulled wine and a mince pie and actually just host people and see what comes up in conversation. We can share hospitality. We can share a promise as well. Did you, I, I, I like the fact that the most, frequent, the most frequent phrase in all of the Christmas stories is do not be afraid. 
Well, share that promise. Maybe on your social media feed or in a card with others. Just share that promise with a little bit of explanation as to why this season we don't, because there's a lot of people who are afraid. There's a lot of people who are, what does it say of Zechariah? Gripped by fear. And it took an angel to come and say, don't be afraid. God wants to send us with that promise to our work colleagues and our neighbors and our friends. You don't have to be afraid. There is ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. And as we've already seen, share an invitation, share hospitality, share a promise, share an invitation. Who knows who might come to hear about the good news of Jesus? I think our world is opening more and more to the idea that this world is not just a material prison where nothing is, happens beyond, this, beyond what we can see or, or feel. No, no, people's minds are increasingly open to the supernatural, to the fact that there is a message that comes from beyond. And we need to be those who bring people with this invitation to hear the good news. Who are you going to be inviting this year? What power is going to come through you this year? Who's going to be saying to you that's not a Christian, do you know how powerful you are? What a wonderful thought that is for our season. I urge us, let's not settle for a plight Christmas. Let's settle for the traditional Christmas. What's the original, most traditional thing to happen at Christmas? The Holy Spirit fills people. They start praising God in a new way and they start sharing his message with boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's pray together, shall we, for the Holy Spirit to fill us, those in the room and those watching online. You can pray as well. And uh, if that's something you would like, maybe for the first time, you've never known God's presence breaking into your life, or because you've gone a bit quiet, you've gone a bit, you've got a bit stuck in some of the seasonal things that create a to-do list that swamps out the place of Jesus and you want to say, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit to get back on mission for you, then I'd like to pray uh, for you. And I'm praying as much for myself. I want this to be my season, a season of bearing witness to Jesus Christ in power in the Holy Spirit. So Heavenly Father, we invite you just to come now as we pray. And if that's something that you just like to receive freshly, would you just stand with me? Uh, right where you're right. You want to receive that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit for the first time or in a new way. You want to say, I'm not going to have just a polite, busy Christmas that's empty of Jesus. I want to have a full Christmas, full of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We're standing before you this morning, Lord, because we see in your word something we want to feel in our own lives. John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. Zechariah offering up priestly incense, angels appearing, bearing good news. And Lord, I pray over those who are standing, over myself, over my family, as far as it is with us, we pray firstly that you would keep us from sheer busyness and distraction. Guard our hearts in Christ Jesus that we may have a clear vision for what this season is really all about. And I pray that we would be priests doing, this, doing the priestly job of offering up day and night incense to you in prayer. And I pray you'd re help us reimagine how powerful it is when God's people pray. I ask for those who are standing particularly, Lord, come now and fill us with your Holy Spirit, with the boldness that the Spirit brings, with the power 
to see miracles in the name of Jesus. We're standing, Lord, because we want to see an inbreaking of your Holy Spirit. So we welcome you, Father. Send us out like angels, bearing messengers, bearing the good news wherever we go, sharing our story, sharing a promise of hope in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. All glory to you, Almighty Father. All glory to your Son, Jesus Christ. Holy is his name. He deserves the praise of all the earth. And that begins with us. He deserves the angels crying holy. But we also join them in crying, holy is the Lamb. Worthy are you, Lord. And we pray, let your Spirit move us with power to bear witness to your Son, Heavenly Father, to the glory of your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's worship together as we close.